I remember as a child and then later as a teenager, uh, sitting quietly in the worship service, waiting to receive the communion elements. We were supposed to be praying, considering whether we were worthy to receive the elements of the Lord's Supper. By worthy, we thought, we were, we were taught to think, is there unconfessed sin in our life? But I've come to believe that uh, the verses we're going to read this morning might mean something a little bit more than that. These are the words from Paul that establish the ongoing liturgy for the receiving of the communion meal. You can find the story of the first communion meal where Jesus institutes the meal as a part of the Passover Seder in Luke 22. But today we're going to look at Paul's interpretive words that come from 1 Corinthians 11. So we're in 1 Corinthians 11, and I'm going to begin reading from verse 23. This is Paul writing to the Corinthian church, explaining what he received and what he's passing on to them. This is blocking my view of some of my faces. Better. For I received from the Lord what I also handed on to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup also after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be answerable for the body and blood of the Lord. Examine yourselves and only then eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For all who eat and drink without discerning the body eat and drink judgment against themselves. This is the word of the Lord. Paul reminds us first and foremost that this meal is meant to be a reminder. Jesus told us to follow this pattern and that when we do it, we're supposed to remember Jesus. But not just remember that Jesus lived, we're supposed to remember that Jesus came to do something and we're supposed to remember what he did and we're supposed to remember what he continues to do. All of those things are part of the memory included in the Lord's Supper. The symbolism of the meal itself is pretty simple. The bread represents the body of Christ. Like each of us, Jesus had a human body. He lived on earth as a human. This is important. He can be our example because he was like us, human. And in Jesus' day, the blood was considered the symbol of life. Life was in the blood. If you lose the blood, the body dies. The blood represents the life of the body and the way in which the body of Christ became a sacrifice for all of us. When Jesus dies, when Jesus sheds his blood, he gives his life for all of us. 
The scriptures carefully point out that Jesus' life was not taken from him, but that he gave himself up for us. In other words, he could have chosen to escape this death. He had the power to call on angels to release him even after he was on Calvary's cross. Think of the times in the gospel stories when Jesus is tried, when the crowds try to capture Jesus. At one point they want to seize him and make them their king and he just passes through them. At another time, the scribes and the Pharisees decide they're gonna stone him, they're gonna push him off a hill and he just walks right through them. Jesus doesn't have to be arrested. Jesus doesn't have to be humiliated. Jesus doesn't have to be beaten. He could choose to avoid all of those things if he just made that choice. But he permits all of those things. His life wasn't taken from him. He gave his life up. To say his life was taken to him is almost like admitting for a microsecond that maybe he's not in control. But he was completely in control. He was God. He was in control. And yet he permits the sacrifice he's about to make. When we remember how he died and why he died, we are reminded of some important things. Jesus planned to give his life for us even before the world was created. This is 1 Peter 1.20. He was destined before the foundation of the world, but was revealed at the end of the ages for your sake. Through him, you come to trust in God who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your trust and hope are in God. Before the foundation of the world, this plan of sacrifice, this plan of salvation for us was put into effect. The second thing that we need to remember when we consider this sacrifice of Jesus is that he dies to demonstrate to us the lengths that he will go to save us from our sinfulness. He's willing to even permit his own humiliation and death if it will be effective to save you and save me, to protect you from the wages of sin. And the third thing we should always remember when we consider that Jesus gave himself for us is that whenever we're reminded of what Jesus has done, we remember that we are loved by God. There's no other way to look at it. He loves us. And this communion meal is designed to be a constant reminder of just that. Every time we eat and drink, we should remember that Jesus acted to reveal to us that God loves us with an undying love and that he gave everything he had to prove it. And this is really good news. Don't ever forget that. The ritual that we observe is more, however, than just the reminder of what Jesus did with his body and blood. We shouldn't forget that it is also a meal. And meals are made to be eaten. At least they are in my house. 
We don't make a meal and sit it on the table and then stand around and admire how beautiful it is. Sooner or later, we sink our teeth in. We want to participate. And part of the symbolism of this particular meal is that in the eating of it, it brings Jesus into the center of who we are. Often when we speak about becoming a Christian, we use words like, let Jesus into your heart. You've heard that phrase before. When we say that, we're using an idiom. We're, we're using a way of speaking that describes something in a kind of poetic kind of way. I mean, hearts are muscles that pump blood and keep us alive. It's one of those organs you can't live without. It's central to our existence, but it doesn't think, does it? It just pumps blood. And when we talk about heart in a person, we tend to mean the place inside of us, the intangible place inside of us where thoughts and emotions reside. Now we know a little bit more about anatomy in these days, and we know that thoughts and emotions actually reside in our brain, right? But we still talk about our hearts. We still like the poetry of talking about our hearts as the center of who we are as people. The place where mind and emotions join together to create the kind of people that we are. So when we talk about asking Jesus to come into our heart, what we really mean is, we want folks to ask Jesus to enter them and become a part of their brain. Not quite as poetic, but it is what we mean to move into the place where our thoughts and our decisions and our emotions reside. Because that's the place that's really central to what a person is. And this communion meal that we will take in just a moment reminds us that to become Christian, to live as a Christian, we must continue to take Jesus into ourselves. He has to continue to move from the outside of us to the inside of us. Have you ever heard someone say, you are what you eat? I've heard of babies who loved squash so much and ate so much baby food squash that their skin started to turn a little orange. Well, at some level, we're hoping that will happen for all Christians who take communion that we will be what we eat. And as we eat the body and blood of Christ, we will come to reflect Christ more and more because he is in us. By taking Jesus into ourselves and by remembering what Jesus has done for us, we will become more and more transformed into the image of Christ. Jesus will live in the center of our bodies. He will help form our minds and our hearts. And this is more important than ever, more important in these days because we consume so much other stuff all the time. I mean, we remember Romans 12 that tells us that we shouldn't allow the world to squeeze us into its mold, but we should be transformed in the renewing of our minds so that we can be more and more like Christ, that that's the nature of our spiritual worship 
that a part of being spiritually worshiping is inviting Christ into ourselves so that he can counteract the world's effort to squeeze us into its mold so that we can be transformed more and more to the image of Christ. We fight against the squeezing of the society by taking in Christ. I'll guarantee you this, the world never stops trying to shape us. We cannot afford to stop submitting to Christ so he can correct our shape and keep us conformed to his image. We need to keep Christ central to who we are. When Paul quotes Jesus as saying, this is my body, which is for you, he is saying that the gift of the body of Christ is for us, not just for you, but for us, all of us. It's you, plural. More than just a reminder, more than just transformation, it's important to know who this sacrifice is for and the communion meal helps us to remember who the sacrifice is for. Jesus died to open the door to salvation for every person on the planet. Not just for you, not just for me, not just for his Christian family. He died to make salvation universally available. The gift is for everyone and we must remember that. And when we take the body and blood of Jesus into our own bodies, we become a part of the work of God to express his universal love to mankind. The communion meal is the reminder that when we enter the kingdom of God, we start to participate in the work of Christ, which is summarized in the cross event. Think of it like this. By participating in communion, we remind ourselves that we are on a mission and that it's not just us who is on this mission. Everyone who participates in the communion meal is part of the body of Christ. Together, all of us have Jesus inside of us, becoming the body of Christ and on the same mission to tell the world that everyone is loved by God. The very act of eating the communion meal identifies us as part of this one body with one mission, serving one Lord. This meal unites us. It brings us together. It reminds us that we are the body of Christ for the sake of the world that it's not ultimately about us as individuals, it's about us as a species. It's about us as humans. This meal creates and identifies and purifies the body of Christ for its sacred mission. Remember these words from Paul in Ephesians 4. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beg you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with one another in love, 
making every effort to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one only, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all, through all and in all. This is what we're called to in this family. This is what the kingdom of God is. United by the presence of Christ in us, symbolize this meal that actually goes to the very center of who we are, reminding us that we are one and establishing us all together as a united missionary force for the work of the kingdom of God, which is to demonstrate that Jesus died for all of us and loves all of us and whoever will enter the kingdom of God may. The invitation is universal. Whosoever will may be saved. So what's the role then of self-examination when we prepare to take the communion meal? Well, verse 29 of the Corinthian passage said this, for all who eat and drink without discerning the body eat and drink judgment against themselves. What does it mean to discern the body then? Well, it means to understand our obligations to one another within the body. If we're the body of Christ and we're called to unity because of the Spirit's work within us, a huge priority of our lives is protecting the unity of us within the body of Christ because we are the body of Christ and to discern the body means to understand how the body works together. It's to recognize that unity is an essential element of our work in mission. So we've got to give attention to our relationships among us. We are not like the rest of the world in lots of ways. When we come to funeral times, we say, we don't grieve as those who have no hope. Okay? We also know that we don't live as folks who assume that all of our resources are our own because we are stewards of what God has entrusted with us. So we're not like everybody else. And we're also not like everybody else because we don't say if someone creates friction for us, well, I don't need that hassle in my life and I just walk away. I, I can't do that in the body of Christ. I've got to pay attention to our relationships within the body of Christ. Now, the writers of scripture are clever and inspired, right? And they say, live at peace with all men and women to the extent that it lies within you to do so, right? Because we can't make anyone else like us, right? We can't, we can't judge the relationships of other people or why they're doing what they're doing. All we can do is act lovingly towards others, right? That's all we can do. But that's not optional in the body of Christ. We, we love one another. We care for one another because our unity in Christ matters. And we have responsibilities to one another within the body of Christ. And that is to be the body of Christ for the world. 
okay? You didn't get put into this kingdom of God solely because God wanted to save you. You got invited into this kingdom of God so that you could join his family and be the vehicle through which he saves the whole world. So at some point, one of the reasons that we're not like the rest of the world is because we've been convinced that it's not all about us. It's about others. And it's about being used by God to proclaim that the door to the kingdom of God is open and available. It's for all of us. Communion reminds us of what Jesus did for us. Communion reminds us of the need for Jesus to be in us, at the center of who we are, shaping us. Communion reminds us that the same Jesus is in all of us, so we are united in common purpose. Communion reminds us that we are the body of Christ and that we are given as a gift to the world by Jesus himself. Communion invites us to remember that in order to represent Christ effectively and accurately, we must be united. When we keep those things in mind, we receive communion in a worthy manner. Pray with me. Father, as we prepare to receive the elements of the Lord's Supper, would you speak to our hearts? Would you enable us as we take you into ourselves again to hear the voice of your spirit speaking to us? And may we live as witnesses to the truth of your love for all humanity. We pray this in the name of Christ. Amen. I'd like to invite you to sing a song with me as we close the service today. And my suspicion is that only two of you know it. It is in the hymnal on page 747 if you would like to have music as well as words. The words will be on the screen. Uh, but I'd invite you to stand as we sing this song in closing today. I come with joy to meet my Lord Forgiven, loved and free In awe and wonder to recall His life laid down for me far and near to find as all are fed the new community of love in Christ communion bread as Christ breaks bread and bids us share each proud division ends. The love that made us makes us one, and strangers now are friends.
joy we meet our Lord His presence always near Is in such friendship better known we see and praise Him here Together met Together bound We'll go our different ways And as His people in the world We'll live and speak His praise And now may you live as the body of Christ for the world that he may be glorified in all of us together, now and evermore. Amen. Go in peace.